Welcome to another episode of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson, and we're here in the fabulous studio, Fist in Your Face, in Salt Lake City, with another beautiful, yes, I'm looking at you, studio audience. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Uh, it's great to have you here. We have another fabulous uh, panel um, assembled. First of all, to my left is my good friend, uh, Robin. Hi, Robin. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. And Robin, how long have you lived in our fair state? My entire life. Okay. You don't have to get any more specific than that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a lifelong Utah. This is going to be important. Yes. And um, Randy. Hey, Randy. Good to be here, John. Randy's, it's, it's a little different on this side of the microphone. Randy is our uh, the producer of the show, who does a fabulous job. Thanks, Randy. And um, yeah, normally you're sitting over there, um, like uh, doing whatever you do. I know, do you do Facebook like Lindsay? Does? Lindsay really does Facebook when she's sitting right here. She just no, I, I don't. I don't. Oh. I don't want to be like Lindsay. I get all right. that. Um, well, welcome to this side of the um, desk. And joining us for the first time is the um, the intrepid Cat Palmer. Welcome. Hey there. Cat. Hi. Um, all right. Um, enough. Enough said there. Uh, so this recording is a special recording to you, the listener, who is a newcomer to. My favorite mid Wasatch state <laughs> in the entire union. Uh, my my the my the place that I call home. I wasn't born here, but I spent most of my life here. And today we're doing the newcomer's guide to the state of Utah: how to understand and live with near and around the Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, the Mormons. Um. <laughs> I posted this today out to Facebook, you know, let people know what the recording schedule was, and somebody made a brilliant comment. They said, when you move to Utah, you'll love it for the first two weeks, hate it for the first two years, and then you'll learn to love it again. And I thought that was apropos. That wasn't my experience. Oh, oh how long, how long, Kat, how long have you been here now? You, Thir- 13 years from Orange County, California. Um, did, when did you learn not to love, not to hate it? Uh, I can't say that I ever actually hated it, but, uh, the, when you when you're coming from the outside from an, an outer state, you think that the entire state is like Provo, so you're very hesitant to move here. At least I am. I was very hesitant to move here. Even as an active Mormon, I had made a list of places I would never live, and Utah was at the top of them. And uh, I had no idea how cool Salt Lake City was. And so, but for the first year, I had to f- kind of find my groove of learning about the state and just finding my groove in the city and. Yeah, yeah, but I, I never, I never actually hated it. I, I, I thought my ward was weird, but other than that, you know, I didn't really hate it. Good. Well, I, I, I've never hated it, but um, it, it, it's, it has its peculiarities. Um, so let's let's give a brief overview of the state, and then we can talk about the, the Mormons. Um, first of all, Utah is a big state, and it's got a lot of stuff in it. But you have to know that m- most almost the entire population is condensed into a corridor that's about three miles wide, um, sometimes as much as five or ten or fifteen by about seventy or eighty miles long. If you talk, take from Ogden to down to Payson, 
Um, and I read recently, I read a few years ago that if you take that area, which is, which is squeezed, is the, is the word squeezed? Squeezed between the mountains and the lake. Um, and there's nowhere to go. There's no, there's no room to expand. That that portion is the sixth most densely populated place in the United States. So although Utah is a great big place and it has a low population density for the state, the actual urban area is highly populated. And most, during, in, in the main part of that corridor from, from Ogden down to say Provo, it's just one big city. There's really not even any boundaries between anymore. So in that in that way, it's really sort of like the valley, like Orange County. They've all just kind of grown in, and it's just one city after the other after the other, and they're all trying to be like Sandy. Um, so and Sandy is the Mormon ideal of heaven. We've decided on this podcast in the. In the hmm. <laughs> so so it, it is it is highly dense uh, densely populated and it is very much like any other city of this size. Meaning you have a lot of chains. There's a lot of Applebee's and all the other same bullshit that you run into everywhere else in 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 the country. Salt Lake City itself is a, is a is a unique place and it's it's a fairly happening city. Um, it has some problems with the liquor laws, what we'll get into, but they're not as bad once you figure them out. Um, but it's routinely voted as one of the gayest cities in the United States. Um, there is a gay friendly, gay friendly. What's the difference cities. between gay? Well, and gay gayest, friendly? gayest, and gay friendly. That that's two different things. You can have a lot of gay people living in a city, and you can have a lot of uh, anger and hate. But it's an actually fairly gay friendly city. Oh, oh. So if I want to be friendly to gays, I don't have to actually be gay. Correct. This would have been helpful to know last Saturday so night. It's a, it's a I was trying to. <laughs> I, I was going to warn you on that, but I just wanted to see where it went. You just, you just told me to go for it. I just looked like I was in the groove, right? It, well, that's what a good wingman does. <laughs> well, a lot of the stereotypical qualities, and I will um, qualify it by stereotypical qualities, are some that are very valued within the Mormon community. Well, what do you mean? I don't want to go into stereotypes. Well, um, I think emotion is very much allowed. Oh, you're talking, are you talking about the gays? Stereotypes. Okay. Clearly. And, and really, this is going to be very general, the entire podcast, so I'm not sure how we can avoid stereotypes. Uh, all right. All right. Well, uh, f- fair enough. Robin, um, stereotypes exist for a reason. They're typically true. <laughs> Said Randy, not me. Okay, so um, let's let's. Um, so 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 Utah's a cool place. Um, there's a lot of things to do here. One of the, the the great things about the outdoors is you are six hours away from any environment that you want. There's mountains. There's canyons. There's the, some of the wildest country up in the in the Uintas left in the continental United States. There's um, the the desert. There's sand dunes. There's lakes. There's there, if, if you're an outdoors enthusiast, basically whatever you want to do, you can do in Salt Lake. So that's why there's um, the big outdoor retail show and a lot of outdoor things um, focus around here. For skiing, you're very close to the ski resorts. So, and then we have um, Park City. So a lot of people come in from California. Uh, a lot of um, actors, um, other. Famous people have their their winter homes up there. Of course, um, Sundance, which is um, owned and operated by uh, um, Robert Redford. Robert Redford is down in Provo. Uh, it's up the canyon from Provo. Um, so, so it, it's it's an interesting place in and of itself. Insider tip on Sundance. Go there on a Sunday. It's like a ghost town. You'll have the whole place to yourself. It's amazing. Well, uh, uh, goodness, that's that's changing. We'll talk about it. <laughs> so, so what? In any place, you can find the touristy. Um, brochures, but that's not what we're going to talk to you tonight. We're going to talk tonight about how to live next to the Mormons. 
The first thing you have to understand about the Mormons is they are a supermajority in charge of everything, but they think they're a persecuted minority. <laughs> Once you understand that dynamic, you'll understand just about everything you need to know about the Mormons. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to go through several points tonight. Um, and um, first, I thought we would start with the Mormon calendar. So understanding the Mormon calendar is important to understanding your way around the state. Um, Mormons don't have, even though they're, they're ostensibly Christian, um, they don't do things like other Christians. For example, many Christians go to um, church on Christmas and on Easter, and Mormons like to avoid going to church on Christmas and Easter, and they try to, they try to, to trim things down. But you have to understand that Mormons have to go to church every Sunday, and a Sunday they still, they do what they call the block. Is it still called the block? The block is three hours. Three fucking hours of church. And so, and yeah, all of them. And if you go to the, the main service, the, what they call the sacrament meeting, um, everybody's in there. The, the 18-year-olds are in there. The six-year-olds are in there. The six-month-olds are in there. And it's usually about an hour and ten minutes long. Um, and there's no paid clergy, which means there's no trained speakers. So it's it's kind of um dry. Boring. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Trite. Uh, um so when you go there you'll think that the Mormons are a very um prayerful, meditative people. They're not. They're playing Angry Birds on their phones in their laps. And they all look like they're praying, but, but they're not. So, so the block is three hours, and it is exhausting. And Mormons have a lot of meetings. Um, so, so they... Um, they schedule around those. But there's two other things besides the Sunday block that you have to be aware of. The first is family home evening. Now, every Monday, the state of Utah shuts down. There are no leagues. There are no sports leagues. Some of the recreation centers are not open. And um, there are other things that, 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 that don't happen. Now, if it's a family-friendly thing, like, like miniature golf, then it's okay. On Monday, we call this family night. And, and this is the time that all Mormons are supposed to spend time with their kids. Um, so if you want to go to like Chuck E. Cheese, Mondays are good to avoid because the families are all going out there. Um, and, but you'll, you'll find that they're for softball leagues or for, um, football leagues or what, whatever other sports. Civic it, things. Civic, the tennis leagues. The, the, they usually won't play on Sundays and Mondays in the state of Utah. So if you're looking for league play, that's why everything is shut down. So that's, that's the second element of the Mormon calendar you have to understand. The third element of the Mormon calendar you have to understand is conference. Twice a week, twice a year, the first weekend in October and the first weekend in April, the Mormons get a break from church, which means the stores are fucking full of them. It's terrible. It's awful. You, you, and you don't, don't go to any parks or anything like that. They're, they're everywhere. But, um, w what they're supposed to be doing is they go to this, this session, uh, usually in downtown Salt Lake in the great big Megan Apple. Um, and they sit and watch conference. Most of them will watch it on their TV. 
Um, but you'll notice changes in the things that are going on. Now, on Saturday night, all of the men are supposed to go to a meeting at the stake center. We'll talk about the stake center in a minute. Um, in their white shirts and ties. And at 8 o'clock, when the session gets out, they all go out for ice cream. So between the hours of 8 and 10 on the first the first Saturday of October and the first Saturday of April, avoid your... Um, uh, avoid going anywhere. And 10, between 10 and 12, right? Between, no, Wait, no, 10 and 12. Between, it gets out at 8. It's, and sometimes a little bit early, like 7.45. But as Mormons, we do not believe in ending meetings early. This would be um, an insult to the Holy Ghost. So, um, so, so, watch for the ice cream, um, folks. Also, um, there's the Utah um, version of hen parties that happen that time, um, which are you know people go get like um, Mrs. Fields cookies and hang out of the desert at book at the mall. But you'll see a lot of women out during those sessions. Well, yeah, they're hen out during parties? six to eight. Oh, John, that's yeah. especially bad. That's, that's yeah, I was a, wondering what you meant by that, actually. I know. Uh, he means that, that that's John Code for Girls Night Out. Um, I think it's I think it's a British term, actually. Mm. Look it up. I don't make shit up. <laughs> Most of the time. It doesn't make it worthy of saying, John. I did not make up the term. Okay, so um, that's the Mormon calendar. Let's talk about Mormon sites. You'll go around the state of Utah, and there are historical sites all over, like there are everywhere else. If you see... These words, visitors welcome, run away. <laughs> this means it is a Mormon site that is pretending to be a historical site. Or if you see the word free plastered everywhere, insisting that it's free, or they're promising you that you'll, they'll give you, you know, your genealogy back to Adam, these are all Mormon sites. Um, some of them are, some of them can be quite interesting and they can be quite good. Um, for example, and some of them, I'm not even sure if they're Mormon sites or not. That gets kind of squishy in this state. But Mormon sites will be typically, they will try to push you to something else. Like you'll be going along a historical tour and you'll walk into a room and suddenly there's a big picture of Jesus. Um, the biggest problem with them is they call, they call, um, uh, missionaries, basically unpaid volunteers who usually have no historical training to man these sites. And the, the spiel that they give, they're not really interested in historical information as much as they're interested in A, impressing you with how wonderful the Mormons are, and then B, making you become one. So as long as you keep that in mind when you're visiting Mormon sites, you'll be okay. Um, all of the history has always been preserved in the best light possible. You, you won't find much of any negative information in any of these sites. Yes, faith-promoting stories. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that comes from the LDS sacrament meetings, for sure. Because I was, uh, is it, I was raised in the time where, hopefully it's not so bad anymore, but I haven't been there for a while, where I know even with my dad, I got a little bit older and realized all the faith-promoting stories he told in sacrament meeting weren't true when he finally started telling them about me. <laughs> and I'm like, that did not happen. <laughs> anyway, but as long as it has, you know, a good end, then the end justifies the means. Yeah, and the end is getting you to be a Mormon. Okay, so that's the Mormon sites, and, and, and they're, they're all over the place. Let's talk about the Mormon personality in terms of um, being your, your new neighbor. Um, most Mormons actually are very live and let live people. 
Most Mormons will leave you alone. And the thing you have to understand is Mormons stay very, very busy in a very tight-knit community. When you first move in next to them, they will try to get you to be one. Um, because that's what they're encouraged to do. That's what the culture and that's what the religion says. There's a phrase in Mormonism, which is every member a missionary. And every member is supposed to go out and try to convert you to be a Mormon. And this comes from a genuine place. They genuinely believe that they're superior and that they have the one and only true religion and that anybody who isn't part of it isn't part of the, of God's people. And they want you to be part of God's people. So when you demure, you will probably never see them again other than in passing. And part of this is because they're so busy. They, they just don't have time for very many other things. But there is a Western ethic, a Western vibe of live and let live in this state that is actually a, a fairly alive and well. And I think for a lot of people, if you, if you, you know, really make it known early that you're not interested in joining the church, you know, I recommend um, getting a six pack of Natty Light and going out on your porch in a wife beater on the first night and just wave at everybody, invite them for a drink. That's and actually kind of what I've done. When I moved into my new neighborhood, I just invite them over for wine and they leave me alone. Like, the, it's fine. The other thing you can do is uh, mow your lawn on Sunday. Mowing your lawn on Sunday does help. Yeah, that's cool. Well, and any su- kind of boundary setting, really, if you get a little stern, that's one thing I've noticed is uh, really, really nice, but you get a little stern, and that idea of needing to be nice and needing to not be part of contention and worrying about not putting the best face forward, um, that a little bit of boundary setting, such as, I prefer you call me before you drop in on me <laughs> kind of a thing. And you'll find you don't get nearly as many visits. And, and for, and you know, th- this, this, uh, recording here is aimed at people who are non-members. You won't be on their record. So you won't be harassed as much. If you talk to your angry ex-Mormon friends, they'll have a slightly different experience than, than, than you will. And, and, but, but they'll bring over brownies and cookies uh, and whatever. And they're, they're genuinely trying to be nice. And, and to that effect, if you want to continue to get brownies and cookies, Give them the soft letdown every time, and they'll yes. keep coming around. This is a two. This is a two-way street. Um, recently, something happened um, where, in order to get more missionaries out, and we'll talk about missionaries in a few minutes here, the the, the church lowered the age of missionaries from nineteen to eighteen. Well, suddenly we had an extra fifteen thousand kids we needed somewhere to put, and a big portion of them came right here to Salt Lake City. The missionaries have an interesting door approach in Salt Lake City, and they will ask you, "Can we do anything for you?" Now, I'm telling you, these missionaries are bored out of their fucking minds. You can ask them to do anything. If you need something moved out of your basement or you need your roof reshingled, I am not kidding you. And you can say, can three or four of you come over tomorrow? I need to move a piano. And they will come. This is not just a door approach. You can use this to your advantage. Well, and and to that, even outside of Utah, when I was on my mission, we were so bored with the day-to-day. We would do anything that anybody wanted to. I mean, half the time we wouldn't even ask. We would just start doing it. Like somebody's doing something out in their yard. Hey, can I help you? And pick it up and start moving stuff around because... Being a missionary is just mind-numbingly boring, and I can't even imagine what the missionaries are called to Salt Lake City and Utah in general go through. Yeah, I had the missionaries um, track me out. They came in. I was in my garage two weeks ago working on my bike, 
and um, they came and they uh, that's their approach. And I should have done um, I should have asked them just to move shit from one side of the garage to the other just to make them work. But I, I didn't. It was kind of muggy and hot that night. And uh, but I was I was nice. I I offered them some lemonade or something, and they wouldn't take it. Well, another they only thing, drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> another thing for newcomers, and of course, I guess since I'm a lifetime Utahn and a member the majority of my life, you know, I may not have the best perspective. However, about uh, four or five years ago, we had a very nice uh, – oh, I shouldn't have said that. That's Utah. Anyway, Catholic lady who moved into the area, and she said she was just like right off very – um, surprised because everywhere she went, the conversation was immediately trying to establish where she fit. Is she a member? Why did she come to Utah? Active, inactive, a part of another religion. Um, and then, and very often sometimes because she was conservative, there would be this automatic discussing of callings or maybe even the way that one is felt out without, um, seeming direct because, you know, being direct is a little difficult sometimes. So anyway, and she said that she just felt so uncomfortable with this constant discussion of callings and, and how even when they knew she wasn't LDS, the conversations like say at PTA and everywhere else seemed to center around the church. And so she actually uh, started hosting uh, social events for the post-Mormon groups, hoping to find someone she had something in common with. <laughs> so anyway. I thought that was fun. All right. Let's talk about some harder aspects now. Um, and then we're going to go for one of the worst. Um, um, the, let's talk about Mormon youth culture. Um, the Mormon church teaches their children that they are not allowed to date before they are 16. And they teach very strictly that there is no premarital sex. Um, and premarital sex for a Mormon can be um, a socially shaming, devastating um, um, discovery if the male leadership finds out about it. The, the, the children would have to go in and confess, to usually to one male leader, and then they'd be called in, um, possibly in front of other male leaders, um, and then they would be publicly shamed. They would be, they would refuse to pray. They'd be refused to, um, take the sacrament, participate, take, take the sacrament. And so you have, you have to understand. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to the sacrament later. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's really great. So, so my point is that, that they will be, um, they will be shamed in a way that's publicly known. So the more, the youth sex scene is on the down low for the most part. Um, and, um, but it's a well and it's alive and well. For so the I'm record. told. Yeah. I was a youth LDS girl once oh so i yeah well i'm I'm, I'm blushing um (laughs) so no dating before 16 for for um um, probably 60 to 70 percent of mormons and this depends on what neighborhoods you are in your socioeconomic class but um they won't date outside the faith so oftentimes a big bifurcation among the youth happens around the age 16 for for a small ma- minority of Mormons, they are very strict on if they allow their children to play with other children. This is usually exceptional. For so for five year olds, ten year olds, usually they'll let their kids play with the um, non Mormon kids. 
But this starts to part really at age 16 when the dating happens. And this is where a lot of kids who grow up in Utah who are not part of the church feel um, part of the community and are um, until then, and then they'll ask somebody to prom and be told no because you're not LDS. Um, John, one, at least in my experience, part of that is they can actually get away with dating non-members as long as they seem as though they would make good members. Right. And it could kind of be couched as a missionary sort of tool. <laughs> but once... You know, it's a longer, more established relationship, then it starts to be a little harder to pull that off if they've managed not to, like, come to church with you or anything else. And, and what's sad is you have a lot of people having very long-term relationships, but when it comes to actually getting married, then it's like dumping your, dumping you so they can get that well, temple marriage. It's the old term, flirt to convert. Ah. That's actually how my ex-husband was converted, was through a member and going to prom. He needed a, a date for prom. <laughs> and so, man, that's, that's a. I thought prom was expensive enough as a Mormon yeah. to join the church just to get a date. I, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the the culture of not letting children play with other children. I've actually I'm playing their game. Uh, I uh, I have two small children, and uh, I've always looked a little strange. And right now I'm playing the game because I don't want my children to be labeled as the kids that other kids are not allowed to play with. So I'm not shaving my head right now. I do not have funky hair. My tattoos are in a place where people cannot see them. I am playing the game right now because I do want my children to ha- kind of have a fair shot at going to school and not being labeled right now. So well, you know, what, oh. to say to that same thing, um, I have a son that his mom's family is relatively Mormon. And it kind of came to the same thing. I mean, when it came to uh, baptism, weirdly enough, they didn't baptize him right at eight. But as his ninth birthday was coming up, he had a close friend that was on the point. And while there was some drama that went behind how they went about it, I made a decision to not fight the baptism because I live in Utah County. If you're the not baptized kid in Utah County you're weird and it has you know there's a stigma behind it so that that is a challenge with young children especially the closer to provo you get now if you're in salt lake proper I'm i don't think davis you're running Co- into i'm in davis county davis county yeah. is just north pro is right so, north so let, let's let's revisit the geography um we're, remember the, the population of utah is in a corridor and really the center is salt lake city the big gay center of Salt Lake City um, is, is right there, right around Temple Square. And then Davis County is to the north, which is and, – and, and Ogden, which was influenced by the railroad for a long time, is, is very much um, not as Mormon-influenced. And then there's a great big Air Force base. So Davis County has always been a little bit more um, passe about Mormon belief, except for Bountiful which is just right on the other side of Salt Lake. And the further you move north, the less people care about Mormonism. And then it reverses as you start moving north further up to Brigham City. Um, and then and then um, as you move down in Salt Lake, you, you have all the suburbs. Sandy's near the south, so that's the idealization. Then you move down into Utah County, which is centered around BYU. This is where the Mormons who want to out-Mormon all the other Mormons move. <laughs> this is the mecca that and of Draper. Mormonism. Well, actually, most of the Mormons want to out Mormon all the Mormons. No, they they live in Linden and Northeast Orem. Oh yeah, or Provo, Arm, and Linden. But the mission field is better. The mission field. Yeah, if you can get out in the mission field, don't you know Mormons rank each other? 
There's like the mission field, Utah Mormons, then Happy Valley Mormons. Yeah, yeah Mor- Mormons who live outside of Utah think they're superior to Utah. That's because they're beholden to Utah, and they have to find their self-esteem somewhere. Uh, exactly. I'm going to say it's, it's, the, it's the exact opposite. Provo, everyone knows that the best Mormons live the closest to Provo. Yes. Okay, so, so, oh. so the dating dynamic will come up for the youth. Can I, I just wanted to mention, since I actually have children of a dating age or a child and one on her way much sooner than I'd like. I have an 18-year-old, and I do worry about him. He's kind of shy, and he had friends when we were LDS or just soon out because they really um, – and actually, they still made a lot of effort, but as soon as he didn't feel like he had things in common, then he didn't really have friends or girls calling. And so he hasn't even stated, started dating. He's 18. I have a t- and, and I do worry about him. However, my daughter, who's 12 – I actually haven't worried very much because she is absolutely vivacious. And the thought is she's going to be able to convert men out of Mormonism really easily. So I'm not all that worried. Um, advice to your 18-year-old son. If he's waiting for girls to call, uh, it's not going to be a very successful strategy. I'll just put that out there. All right. Um, so let's talk about some youth programs. The Boy Scouts of America in particular. Um, you might think, oh, my son can join the Boy Scout troop because it's really strong in the state of Utah. The Boy Scout troops have been completely co-opted unless they specifically say they're not by the Mormon church. And if you, um, I have my issues with the Boy Scouts, so that's not the topic tonight. But if you decide to put your boys in the Boy Scouts of America in the state of Utah, you have to know that there'll be no separation between the Boy Scouts and the, the, um, priesthood, the, the youth organization for the, for the boys. They, they just, they run them together and there is no separation at all. So they will talk about what they're going to be doing on Sunday in the Boy Scouts and everything goes through that filter. There are, um, secular troops in Salt Lake. There's one in Utah County. There's, there's a couple up in Ogden. So if you want to be involved with the, with the homosexual hating, gynophobic organization we know as the Boy Scouts, then you can find secular avenues to do that in the state of Utah. Um, as far as programs for girls go, you're good because the church wants nothing to do with empowering women on any level. So they have no, if it's a girl's organization, there's no church influence. All right. The, now to start talking a little bit, we've, we've, we've hinted at some terminology, but there's one piece of terminology you have to know for, for the youth culture in the state of Utah, which is the term seminary. Everywhere else in the world, this means you're going to become a pastor or a preacher or you know you're going to become a reverend at some point seminary is what grades 9 through 12 go to right next coincidentally right next to every high school in the state of utah there happens to be another church building which um all of the students um all of the lds students are expected to take one hour off out of the high school program and go over to the seminary to have religious instruction and it's basically just another hour of church it's not as awesome as it sounds, like going to seminary. Or, as I called it, an extra hour of sleep in the middle of the day. That's right, nap right. time. You ki- the kids in Utah are totally spoiled. I went to California Seminary, where we had to do it at 6 a.m. before school, because we didn't have the churches next to the high schools growing up. So, yeah, yeah, uh, they're totally spoiled here. Well, one nice thing as a non-member, however, is it's really great for your kids to get ahead in high school and graduate sooner than their counterparts, because they're able to take 
other, you yeah. know, more Ouch. availability for other classes. To that point, there's actually a lot of opportunity there besides just being able to get ahead. So I spent the last year working as a teacher at a technical school that was basically a magnet school for the high schools where they taught a bunch of career and technical classes. And the kids that took seminary literally had to take summer school in order to graduate on time because it was such a big time commitment to go to those programs. But those non-Mormon kids, they had lots of opportunities to go take these really cool classes at the tech center, could still graduate on time. A lot of them still graduate early. So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword there where it makes it actually very difficult for the Mormon youth to really have opportunities to branch out to anything specialized in their high school years that the non-Mormon kids can just, you know, have lots of opportunity there. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's, um, that's the youth. Let's talk, uh, speaking of youth, let's talk about the missionaries and missionary culture a little bit. It's expected that every, um, young man will go on a mission now at the age of 18 because we don't want to give any break between high school and, and them leaving on a mission. And this is a two year volunteer, um, um, service, which they're expected to pay for out of, out of their own pocket. And there'll be lots of missionaries you'll see around here and, and, and everywhere else. And then the young women can go when they're 19 and they serve for 18 months. Um, and this time is, um, very much drives the culture. You'll see a lot of, um, places that sell like white shirts and ties and suits around here. And when you go to the Salt Lake City airport, which is a fairly well designed airport, but there are always people waiting down by baggage claim. Um, with signs and balloons. This is all about missionaries that are constantly coming home. Um, so you know you're in Salt Lake when, um, when that happens. Um, and, um, and, and they're referred to as elder and sister. They're referred to as elder and sister. And you'll hear the term ret- return missionary or RM. And that's, that's, um, a, a kid kind of gets validation. It used to be that, um, it would be even hard to get married, um, you know, inside the church, if you if you weren't a young man who has returned from um, a mission, but the church screwed up like they do all the time. They raise the bar and try to block kids who've had sex, and then, well, um, it's had ramifications um, for for that. That if you want to hold out for somebody who's been a missionary and never had sex, good luck. <laughs> Um, so, so the, the, the missionaries are around, but this goes as, as a non-Mormon living in Utah. If, if, if somebody says to you, I'd like you to talk to my friends about the church, they're talking about these 19 year old kids who are going to come here who know nothing about any religion, including Mormonism, but they're going to tell you how much more they know about things. Um, just, I mean, just for shits and giggles, you ask them, I would explain the Trinity. To, 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 you know, just to, they're, they're really, really are kids. And what they will do, if you, if you let the missionaries in to try to convert you, they'll have six lessons, um, that they try to, um, get you to understand the very rudimentary basics of the church. They won't tell you anything interesting about it. And they will start pressuring you to get baptized right away. Um, they'll start pressuring you to get baptized before they'll tell you that you're supposed to give 10% of your gross income to the church and um and you're going to have to swap out all of your underwear and some other fun things like that. Well, another thing to be careful of, well, or a sign of that would be being invited to dinner because one thing I believe has changed with the church is members used to be able to invite missionaries to dinner without a problem. But now it's required, or at least in the area where I lived, that they invite a non-member to be present. And so 
you know, if there's some sort of a neighbor, you know, that's a perfect opportunity. So you can actually still have the missionaries over. Yes, this does happen. It's not common, but it is rather insulting when it does. You get invited by a neighbor to come over to dinner and then the missionaries will be there. And this was a setup. Yeah. Either that or they're going to pull out the whiteboard or a PowerPoint and tell you about MLMs. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about business culture and come back to MLMs in, in, in a second. So that's the missionaries. So let's talk about business culture. Um, there really, there, there are, um, there are many industries in the state of Utah. Um, the, the three major industries in the state of Utah are medical, technical, and multi-level marketing. Um, and because of the law base and the tradition, um, Utah is very friendly to, to multi-level marketing companies. These are companies that are structured like Amway, where people sell directly to their friends and try to build their up and down lines. Um, they're not illegal per se, but they oftentimes fall into illegal um, um, territory. So we've got a lot of prominent Utahns in prison for fraud and other things they're from this. basically legal ML. pyramid schemes. They are, the, yeah, yeah, but people kindly refer to them as pyramid schemes because you you build um, rather than market rather than sell their stuff to Target or to Walmart or whatever what they do is they try to sell directly and then if you if you can sell the product or you can get somebody to be a dealer underneath you um, and that that um, gives you a piece of their action and then so you can get more money by getting more people who sort of work underneath you um, in just just like any other drug yeah. cartel. And to that, um, a lot of those companies that are out there are actually su- health supplement companies or vitamin. I mean, you, you'll oh. have a lot of the health drinks and stuff. It's actually um, – I'm taking a course that actually looks at the regulatory side of a lot of this stuff. And Utah tracks all those companies because the laws here are actually really, really friendly for multi-level marketing structure and companies. That's not just in Utah, by the way. In California, it's just big in the Mormon culture. I had uh, my bishop who I grew up with contact me after not hearing from him for like 15 years. And I was so excited to see him. And he came over and I was just so tickled to have dinner with him. And <laughs> then he gave me the PowerPoint presentation and told me about how I could have like you know, oak interior in my really fancy car and have a boat and like all this stuff. And yeah, so I was super bummed. <laughs> so a, a, a lot of um, essential oils, um, medications, cosmetics, candles, um, rubber stamps, um, rubber stamps. Yes. Um, um, uh, what, um, pest, pest control. Um, um, and Juice. the conventions are like one big testimony meeting. Melaleuca. All about testimony. All, all these ones. So, so if you work for one of these companies, my friend from, who's a non-Mormon who just moved to Utah, these are Mormon companies. They, they have Mormon culture baked into them. Um, and, and you will quickly need to either sink or swim and learn to talk and act like a Mormon in, in one of these companies. For for other companies, pretty much if it's a small company, you have a crapshoot if it's a Mormon company or not. By Mormon company, I mean one that um, gives deference to sort of Mormon culture. They'll be very patriarchal. They'll be very deferential to authority. And when the leaders talk to their employees, they talk to their employees like they're children. If you find this happening, you're working for a Mormon company. Um, for bigger companies that, that have located in the state of Utah, this is not so much the case. So if your headquarters is outside, that culture gets crushed pretty damn fast. Um, although it, it does have sort of a water cooler um, vibe, but they know that they can get slapped for playing these games. Um, 
And then every once in a while, you'll find the random company that is run by ex-Mormons, which get really interesting because most of their employees are Mormons and don't understand it. Yeah, and and to be clear, most every most the, the biggest majority of people in the state are ex-Mormons, but most ex-Mormons just don't give a fuck about it one way or the other, so they never talk about it. Um, but there are a lot of prominent Utahns who look like Mormons but really aren't um, because they play the game so that they can be politically connected. Um, so in business culture, it's important to learn the, temp- the terminology and how the hierarchy works, and we're going to go through that in, in a minute. But the first thing to do is identify if you're with a Mormon company or not. Look to the executives. If you have a lot of women um, in positions of power, um, you're probably not in a Mormon company. <laughs> <laughs> The Mormon Expression Podcast is a listener-supported production. Visit our website, mormonexpression.com, to tip John's swear jar, or become a subscriber and help keep the show running. Thank you very much. We can't do it without you. All right. So let's talk about Mormon terminology and Mormon structure. Um, first of all, um, the let's talk about units of division. Mormons are assigned where they can go to church. They have no choice in the matter. They can't choose what time they go to church. They can't choose where they go to church. They can't choose um, anything, really. It's all specifically assigned. The biggest boundary is called a stake. Um, and it's a perversion of a term that was in the foundation. It referred to stakes of a tent holding up the center pole. That's the etymology of the term. And a stake would be equivalent to like a Catholic dio- di- um, diocese. Um, so a stake usually is composed of eight to 12 wards. And a ward is the boundary in which everybody lives. Um, so all Mormons attend church with their direct neighbors. This is why sometimes you can feel alienation or you'll see um, Christmas neighborhood Christmas party. This is becoming a thing to put the placard out and say there's a neighborhood Christmas party. Um, and you can go and eat and then leave if you want. Um, it's, it's okay. That's what most Mormons do. It's, it's, it's accepted. Um, the ward is headed up by a bishop. And the bishop is called, um, and a calling is when the church assigns somebody a job, which is how everything is done. Nobody gets to volunteer for anything. So one man who is usually um, on the socioeconomic up curve for the particular area and is usually between the age of 35 and 50 um, and has three, at least three kids and um, a, a, a wife who bleaches her hair will be assigned <laughs> to be the bishop. And uh, this, this poor fool serves for about five years, sometimes seven. Almost everybody quits after that. Um, but he knows everything there is to know about everybody in the neighborhood. So if you can get this, this guy drunk, you can get some good shit on, a, on your neighbors because if you're having an affair or you're addicted to some substance, whatever, you have to tell your bishop. And everybody has a passive aggressive deference to him. They will all call him bishop wherever he's at. And there's oftentimes it's laced with a little bit of, um, anger and vitriol, which is kind of funny. So you can do the same thing. Hi, bishop. Whenever you see him at the dance food, food store or whatever. Um, uh, so everybody will call this poor guy Bishop. But he he is the worker bee of the church. Um, he works a lot of hours. It's no fun. But he does, does get a lot of deference. Everybody assumes this guy is saved. He's going to heaven. I think it's funny you say that as a non-member you should call him Bishop. I thought that I was pissing the Bishop off after I left and just start, started calling him Scott all the time. <laughs> call him Carl. Hey, Carl. <laughs> yeah, that's – yeah, okay. So it's taboo to call the Bishop by his first name. Um 
so you'll run into the bishop and the bishop Rick. It's not the bishop prick. It's the bishop Rick. And um, he has two sidekicks. The one that sits on his left who is of higher um, importance than the one who sits on his right. It's kind of like Star Wars. Have you noticed that? Well, I missed the reference. What? Well, when you see the the twelve, and then the the Yoda in the middle, and then the on each side. Anyway, it's a Star Wars reference. Is that in Episode One? Because yeah, I, thought... I know I'm I know I'm not I'm not referencing Episode One. Oh, We're not talking so about yes. this. So yes, but kind yeah, of it's like kind of like Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. But the little woman, the little female um, Yoda, is named Yaddle. I know that. Show off. Write it down. All right. Um, so so you will interact with these guys sometimes. The 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 bishop has somebody called the executive secretary. And if the bishop wants to meet you um, in a sort of dickish move, they will call you and ask you to come to their office and just say, no, you can come over anytime. And no matter whatever they keep saying, just say that over and over. No, 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 no. I don't have to go to the office. You can come over here. And then it'll confuse the poor executive secretary and he'll hang up and he'll leave you alone for a while. Um, so you don't have to go to the bishop's office. Um, the bishop or the bishopric might drop by. You also might have something called the home teachers, um, which, which may come visit. You might have something called the visiting teachers or like home teachers, but they're, they're, they're women. And, um, um, yeah, you might also have boys come by and, and with a little blue envelope asking for what they call fast offerings, which is just another form of giving money to the church. So the first Sunday of every month. The first Sunday of every month. Yes. Yeah, usually at about eight o'clock in the morning. Yes, and if you smile and say no, thank you, it really throws them. Now, what you do is you ask them for. Uh, this is the, the John Larson method. Um, I'm gonna. You ask them for the blue envelope, and then you say thank you, and send them on their way, and you take the blue envelope and you shred it. And after you do that three or four times, they'll stop visiting you. Okay. Um, callings um, are, again, any job that anybody has. So bishop would be a calling, although we don't call the high authorities callings. Um, the, you might be called to work in with the youth or with the children or setting up chairs or, or doing whatever. Um, but this is the main topic of conversation amongst people. This is a binding thing where they like to talk about their callings and who's in what calling, who's been moved to which calling, because this is all assigned, you know, and, and, um, you're not supposed to want any calling. And you do not have to be a Mormon to get a calling. Oh, have you been given a calling? I, uh, well, no, I, I was Mormon at one point. So yes, I've had many callings, young oh. women's presidency. Uh, but no, uh, my, my ex-husband was a convert. And his parents are non-members, which means they're not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But they were friendly to the, the Mormons. Mormons. <laughs> they were friendly to the Mormons. And uh, my father-in-law was given a calling. And he served for a few years in the Boy Scouts. Oh, yes, this does yes, happen. for Boy Scouts. And I think for girls, it would be the activity days. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Achievement d- days. I just oh, realize yeah. if, if, you're fr- if you're too friendly, they will. It, it is pretty rare, though, because they really don't want non-members to have those callings, especially in callings like the Boy Scouts. Now, if you are an amazing Boy Scout leader, you really like Boy Scouts, and you're in Utah, you're going to have to probably talk to the local church if you want to actually work with the Boy Scouts. But... They didn't have him working directly with the youth, but he was in a more leader form. Yeah, but I mean, it, it does happen. But the, the Boy Scouts is the only example I've heard of that really happening before. Even the Achievement Days, I hadn't heard it before. But it doesn't surprise me there. But a part of that is is because there is this very, very not defined line between the Boy Scouts and the church. So as we discussed earlier, with all the yeah. bleed through. But that 
sets up an avenue for someone who's not necessarily a Mormon right. to serve in what would be quote a church calling, right. even though it's not the whole bishop the came over position and bullied him into it. So now I I missed was he a member before never oh, okay never I was, maybe I'm thinking of he's an atheist inactives <laughs> so so well, let's talk about the the Mormon. Um, Sacraments is, is what is what other folks would call them, so you can understand those a little bit more. First of all, Mormons are baptized at the age of eight because for Mormons, that's when you become a consenting adult. Um, um, unless you drink, then you never become a consenting adult ever. Um, um, so at, at eight, and then at twelve, the boys are ordained. Um, the girls, they're done until they have babies. Um, so the boys start becoming. Um, Deacons, teachers, and priests, these terms refer to children's callings in the church. Um, um, the sacrament um, is taken every Sunday, and if you eventually go to a um, Mormon service, which you are likely to do, you'll see they pass the bread and water. As a non-Mormon, you are free to either take it or ignore it and pass it on. Um, um, there'll be some people who might give you a sour look if you take it, um, and there will be others who give you a sour look if you pass it on. So you can't, you can't win. So do whatever the hell you want. But don't, you're only supposed to take one, by the way. <laughs> Unless the, you're really thirsty. The little glasses look like shots of clear, like, you know, something awesome, but they're not. Um, that's just tap water. Um, let's see. So that's, that's the, the sacrament, which is done every, every Sunday, um, at church. Um, once you become an adult, you're free, free to enter the temple. The temples are the big, gaudy, ugly churches that are way too tall in neighborhoods and lit up like fucking Christmas trees. Those are the temples. Um, I, I like to call them the carrot on the hill. Yes. <laughs> Whenever tithing revenues drop in a prominently Mormon area, they'll find the biggest hill they can and build a temple on it so that you have to see that fucker every day. Yeah. Yep. Guilt you into paying your tithing. The, now, the Mormons, I'll warn you now, the Mormons think this building is very beautiful, and they believe that by merely gazing on it, you'll be convinced of the truthfulness of the Mormon church, and that the beauty of the woodwork will somehow show what an industrious people God has ordained here in the Intermountain West. But, yeah. but non members don't get to see the woodwork unless they go to the open house that's only when it very first opens. They do have, they do have open houses, um, which would be a great learning opportunity, but they don't allow you to say anything while you're in there. Um, um, but, um, it, it's just too bad they don't build them like the Salt Lake Temple anymore. Cause when I was a kid, I loved looking at thing, not cause it was a temple, because it looked like the most crazy gothic castle fort i'd ever seen in my entire life it is it is a nutty nutty building and it's was, got battlements and all sorts of funny i was stuff really on it. disappointed when i got to go inside honestly um well there's lots of things to be disappointed about with the temple. <laughs> um, um, so in the temples um in the temples the first thing that people do is they do they get what's called an endowment have you been endowed i've been endowed he's got an endowment 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 and then they wear what's called the garment the garment are, are, is uh, underwear that covers the – the top looks like a Hanes T-shirt if you're a, a, a man. Although you can get these cool, sexy mesh ones that are see-through. So I'm, I'm only telling you this. I don't want to make light of sacred things. But if you go to any gym in Utah, you'll be presented um, – like Mormons say this is a very sacred thing until you go to fucking Gold's Gym. And first of all, they need to learn to use bleach. 
<laughs> the, the garments are kind of expensive, I guess, for Mormons. Um, and they wear them till they're really old, according to at least the guys in Gold Gym do. Um, <laughs> and the Mormons love to parade around in them in Gold Gym. Um, and in the city, uh, you know, everywhere. I, this is, is this only my experience? Am I the only one who has experiences this? I, I don't hang out in men's locker rooms, so I don't know. You mean you, the, the, the women don't do that? Have you? I don't go to a fucking gym. Have you looked at me like, let's be honest. Kat, you should try it. It's an experience everyone should have. Okay. So, so for Mormons, these are very sacred. Um, the, they, they go to the knees and they go just over, over the, over the, um, um, the arm. They cover the shoulder. Um, so we don't, in Utah, we do not believe in having exposed, um, shoulders. Um, and they have, um, sacred markings, um, scattered throughout. Masonic um, markings. Sacred Masonic markings, yes. Um, and, and Mormons hold these to be mostly sacred. They're supposed to be covered up all the time, but you can see them poking out everywhere, um, of their the cargo men's shorts. The man's colors, always. Yeah, you have to know. When you see a white shirt under there, you're, 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 you're usually staring at the man's, um, garments. Um, the garments have to be worn underneath all their other clothing, clothing, including, women's bras so you'll notice when you come to this state that people are wearing clothes in very bunchy uncomfortable ways it's not and all the women wear t-shirts underneath of every like dress that they own and it looks really weird and you'll you'll be sitting there watching a woman walk by and say is she wearing four (laughs) t-shirts and the answer is yes Yes, she's wearing one, and then she's wearing her bra on top of that, and she's wearing three more to cover up the fact that she's wearing a bra on top of a T-shirt. And then knee-high stockings. It's only been recently, at least at the church office building, that women have been allowed to go without nylons. But have you tried to get those suckers to stay up over garments? Yes, yes, I have. So, knee-highs. We'll talk later, I I thought we weren't talking about Saturday night. (laughs) Um, so, so the Mormons do, do, do wear their garments and they will check. Um, um, the, the most common check, um, I'll try to describe this verbally as, as, um, is to, is to reach out to somebody on their shoulder. You place your hand on top of their shoulder and then you let the hand slide down about four inches and then you drop. When you do this, you can feel the, uh, the shoulder. And for men's, a normal male, um, you can all look at me, and if you're wearing a t-shirt or any other shirt at home, if a man looks down, you'll notice that the seam comes over the shoulder about a half an inch or so. Garments, it actually is up about an inch and a half from there to make the two seams line up in the most bunchy, uncomfortable, and identifiable way possible. Um, if you really want to get um, good in, at this, is you can hang out anywhere in Provo or at Disneyland, and you'll see people wearing <laughs> these shirts that, that, that are um, not the way they're supposed to be. The the advantage is in Utah, no panty lines. This is a, there are no panty lines in Utah because the panty line is at their yeah, knees. but those things right up your ass like no other. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, they do. They do that to men too. Yeah. That comment. Yeah, yeah. Come, We're going to have her repeat her comment. I'm just going to complain a little bit more with garments for women. Is that the tight, you have to get like certain kinds because when you put your pants up, they roll all the way up. So you have this like half an inch thick, you have this half an inch thick roll of garment. So that's actually pretty easy to check. 
to see if women... Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you know, you, it's just like, is there a bulge right here? <laughs> so uncomfortable. So there, there is a culture war going on in the last five or ten years where I, ten years ago people would complain that if they wore a sleeveless top, especially as a woman... Um, that they would be shunned. But now anybody who doesn't wear garments automatically wears a sleeveless top. Um, I can't go anywhere without seeing tons of them. That is a relatively new thing. When I was growing up, uh, unendowed women, it was no big deal to go in tank tops. I'll be 50 in... In October, you're right. I'm I'm so, I'm 41. It was the same thing. This 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 is a cultural trend. You're exactly right. That came and went. And when, they, when we were kids, like kids went around in shorts and tank tops all the time. Nobody yeah. nobody cared. In, in in Utah, they're called porn shoulders. Yes, the porn shoulders. The porn shoulders, and there's also vagina shoulders, which is a subgroup of women. Post <laughs> post Mormon feminist women call them. Vagina shoulders. Oh, but nobody else do it. Why is that? (laughs) I learned that in the last like three months of living here. I've been here a year. It's very interesting. Where are you from? I'm I'm from Washington D.C. area. Okay. So I did not grow up in the Utah Mormon culture, and so these things are very interesting. So so there's there's as as you point out, there's two trends going on right now in, in Utah. One is that people who aren't Mormon are specifically dressing in, in, in ways that identify them as non-Mormon, that the rest of the world wouldn't know this little war is going on. The other thing is, is the, the other thing is that the, the more fundamentalist Mormons, the more conservative Mormons are extending this thing to younger and younger kids where now there are a lot of, um, conservative Mormons. I'm not making this up. Who will insist that babies, infants, have their shoulders covered? That's how I was with my son, who's now 18. Oh, you're one of them. He had to be dressed garment ready, and we got hand-me-downs that were like the the thick shoulders, but not, but still my sister, muscle tees or whatever. My sister does it to her her eight year old. I'm not. And I had yet. to give them to Di. And by the way, DI is an awesome place to buy non-garment ready clothes because everybody picks over all the modest stuff. And so you've got the greatest cocktail dresses and wine glasses. And Can I digress just a little bit? Another sure. thing about Mormon, uh, Utah Mormon culture. So there's sort of a, a difference, a divergence. There's, there's Utah Mormons and there's Mission Field Mormons. And we get handed down these things from Salt Lake City, like no more bazaars. I don't know. You guys are probably too young to know what bazaars were, but they were pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I remember. Um, money-raising things. They do crafty, I don't know, fun stuff. You'd go in and there was it was like a carnival, but they don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's because Salt Lake City said you can't do that anymore. And you can't do big missionary farewells anymore. Not that we ever did out in the mission field, but I think that they did like... Huge. Here and here, huge in Utah, like 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 wedding engagement party or whatever receptions, huge, like thousands of dollars, huge. So, when I was a kid growing up in the mission field, we would just get these edicts from from Salt Lake: no more, no more fun stuff. It's fucking out. <laughs> yes, and, and we would be like, okay, we're faithful, okay, that's cool, but we would have no. I had no idea why, and now that I've come back to Utah, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it, because the shit's going on in Utah, and that's where. The, you know, the brethren are getting their information is what's happening in Utah, and then then it gets disseminated throughout the church, and we're like scratching our heads, like, well, where the fuck did that come from? There, here, here's a, here's a fun fact on that. Um, some of the stakes in Utah actually have financial independence from the church because they had it; they were grandfathered in. And even though the church, as you're pointing out, about 10, 15 years ago, ordered all the stakes to sell their state camps. 
there are probably 30 or 40 steak camps left in the state of Utah, and the steaks basically said, fuck you, Salt Lake, we're not selling them. The people outside Utah did, but they still have them, and then Salt Lake backed down. <laughs> um, so, so sometimes things are a little bit more complicated than they seem on the surface. Um, so there still are steak farms here. But you're, you're right. The, the culture has become very driven by what the authorities say, and, and oftentimes it's very um, – a lot of that stuff is squeezed it's out. It's been neutered. Yeah. No more road shows. <sighs> so let's talk about understanding Mormons at social functions. This is very important. Mormons very, very, very much wants you to know that they don't drink. Unfortunately, they don't understand drinking at all. So you might come to a Utah social function and wonder why white Russians are so popular among the Mormons. It's because they think that if they drink milk, then you'll know that they don't drink alcohol. Um, or they think if it has bubbles, I've heard this one, they don't understand that you mix like rum with Coke. Um, so Mormons do not understand drinking culture at all, but they do want you to know they don't drink. So you can go to a, um, a business party with Mormons, and a Mormon might be there with a glass, and they will tell you first out of their mouth, I don't drink. And, and you, then you give them the, that's super. I'm super proud of you. <laughs> or if you want to really make them happy, say, I so admire that about you. And then take a, then take a nice big drink. <laughs> um, so on a more serious note, <laughs> many Mormons will not come in the presence of liquor period. And they find the presence of liquor to be offensive. This is the supermajority um, persecution complex that I talked about at the top of the hour. That Mormons, that Mormons believe if you are drinking in their presence, that this is an affront to them. And the only possible reason you would drink alcohol in their presence is because you want to give them a big middle finger fuck you. Um, and I'm not joking about that either. If you want, we talked about signaling um, your neighbors that to find the other either Jack Mormons, you know, inactive Mormons or non-Mormons. The simple best way to do it is to invite them to a wine party, and 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 put throw a block party. Make sure it's clear that they will be drinking there and children. That really gets Mormons. <laughs> um, in the same way, if you want to signal and find someone that might be a little more fun to hang out with, that kind of a thing, mention you vacation in Park City regularly. So, so yeah, um, there, some of the Utah laws um, are presented around keeping children shielded from viewing alcohol altogether. Are we going to talk about the curtain? We're going to talk about the liquor laws next, yes. But, but um, so, so if you are for one of these Utah companies, there will be no liquor. If you're a semi, um, Utah company, there might be liquor, but everybody's watching to see who the naughty people are. Be very cautious. If your company is headquartered outside of Utah, you're free to go. Um, but it might be a good move if you're fresh to the company to not drink until you get your handle on who else is drinking. Um, because they will judge people on this. And a lot of Mormons, because they have not been exposed to alcohol at all, they don't know anything about drinking culture, they don't know anything about the only thing they know is what they learned from rap lyrics. Um, and if you drink, you are an alcoholic in this, the Mormon culture. This is my yeah. This is the point I'm driving at. They do do not know the difference between alcohol consumption and um, addiction. Um, and so, so um, they just plan on them not understanding. And I would say before you ever order a drink in front of a Mormon's children, ask them their permission. Otherwise, you'll probably lose a friend. Um, 
Yeah. Um, the same goes kind of for coffee too. <laughs> um, you can, you can bemuse yourself by going around Mormons and then like having, uh, giving coffee to a child. Um, and watch them like ask, is that, is that legal? Can you, can you, can you do that? Um, Absolutely. When I was very Mormon, I worked at a daycare and a little boy was dropped off about four year four years old and he had his sippy cup and he would call it his coffee. And every morning he'd show up with his sippy cup cup that he called his coffee and indignantly i would open it up and dump it in the sink every morning and come to find out it was actually hot cocoa but because mom had coffee she'd give him his coffee and either way it didn't matter i was <laughs> yes so this is what you'll be dealing with in the state of utah all right so let's under let's talk a little bit about the liquor laws they're not nearly as bad as 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 um people make it sound and having lived in the south for a while it's about on par with living in the south um, all the anything that's more than three, two, or four percent beer, uh, which is sort of the same beer. If you if you buy a Coors Light anywhere in the country, that's the spe- it's there's not like special Utah like natural light or special Utah Coors. It, it's if you buy that sh- that shitty like stuff that's aimed at everybody, that's what all the beer is in the grocery stores. So if you go to a convenience store, or grocery store, that's all you can buy is 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 beer. Um, anything that has a higher alcohol content, any liquor, any wine has to ha- um, be procured in the state liquor store. State liquor stores are pretty clean. They're nice. They're, they're, um, there's lots of them around because there's lots of people who drink in the state of Utah. You just have to find where they are. Um, I find, having been across the country, that much to – there's um, a mythos that alcohol is a lot more expensive in the state of Utah. That's not really exactly true. Um, it's – there's places where it's cheaper, but I would guess it's about average. The um, the biggest issue is restaurants have to buy the alcohol from the beverage alcohol beverage control at full price. They can't buy it at discount, so that does that does impact things. The liquor laws that will impact you most is you can only have one drink in front of you at a time. Um, and what this does is it promotes alcoholism in the state because if you want a different drink, you have to drink the whole thing down before you can get your second drink. Um, you, there are weird bar laws. You, the biggest thing, Salt Lake, it's a great city, but the one thing it's missing is a pub district. There is a pub crawl, but you have to, you have to have the pirate's treasure map given to you to know how to do it because the laws state basically there can only be one bar per block and it's this, this crazy, um, screwed up. Um, shit. Yes, and never order a Long Island iced tea in Utah because they really suck because you can't put in the proper amount of alcohol. Yeah, they can't. You can't have a double in the, in the state of Utah. For a while, you could order a sidecar, but I think they shut that down. Where you could order a, sh- a shot on the side and then pour it in. Yeah, they got rid of that when they uh, got rid of the private club law. That was that was the trade off that the legislature had to have in order to do that. Um, you can't get a flight of beers. Like if you go and want um, to do a beer tasting, you can't do that. Um, if they serve food, you have to order food with the alcohol. You it, can't just order. If alcohol. it's not a bar, right. so so there's there's several different licenses, and there are places that have a liquor license, but they're not classified as a bar. And in those places, you have to serve, you have to buy food, um, and otherwise that they're in violation. And they're pretty anal about it, the servers, because the Utah like um, beverage alcohol control like undercover cops are ruthless. Um, and they, they go and do undercover sting operations to get somebody for having two drinks in front of them. And, 
and, and, and all that sort of stuff. The other thing is, uh, we referenced before that Mormons like to pretend the world doesn't drink, and we have what is, what is, what is called the Zion Curtain, um, commonly, which is in, if it's not a bar, so if it's like a tavern or a place where, where, where children can go, the alcohol, the actual preparation of the alcohol has to be shielded from these poor, poor soul children so they do not see and learn by observation how to make a Tom Collins or anything like that. They're not, they're not going to watch that shaker go because we don't want that to happen. So there was a there was a really weird um, case involving kind of a going back involving a sting with the the DABC the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control. So in Utah um, and I think in a bunch of other states, you can't actually serve alcohol where there's a place where there's full nudity. So like in a lot of the strip joints, I think it's here. pretty much everywhere in the United States. Yeah, uh, um, and there was actually not that I know anything about. I don't know. I, just, I, read, that, I read that on the internet somewhere, but. Um, so there was a uh, there was a strip joint that um, they they got in trouble a while ago because they were they were serving drinks for like a private party and it was a full nudity like strip joint and uh, there was actually they they were um, positioned right next to this uh, the only one of the only like movie theaters in Utah that serves alcohol is this place called Brewies and Brewies is it's a bar slash movie theater and those are pretty common in a lot of other states but we only have like one here. And uh, they were showing the movie Hangover 3. And in that movie, there's a scene where you see some guy's penis. And they got slammed with the $35,000 fee because they served alcohol and that was full nudity. Yeah, so welcome to Utah. Uh, (laughs) And by the way, if you think Utah is bad, stay the fuck out of Alabama. I'm warning you right now. Um, so the, the liquor laws, your, your server will guide you through them. Generally, you're fine in, in a restaurant. Most of the time, you won't know. Um, you, you know, we have blue laws, like you can't buy alcohol on Sundays. Until Walmart came in, say what you want about Walmart. The one thing Walmart did is they reformed the Sunday laws. You can now buy regular beer because Walmart refused to open shops unless they got that exception. Um, so sometimes religious You're reform. really plugging Walmart on your podcast? <laughs> Just no, really. I'm just the, credit where credit belongs. Well, and it's it really was they fought for it. It was actually written into the state laws that each city could determine whether or not to sell beer on Sunday. Was what my understanding was. Well, this and is, then Walmart really put the pressure on them. This is going city by city. You can watch this happen. There are still cities that don't allow alcohol sales on Sunday until Walmart decides to open, and they always win. For the record, I'm not advocating for us talking about Walmart on this podcast. <laughs> for the record. All right, well, uh, blah, blah, blah. Those it's fascist a, bastards. The Mormons, Walmart, it's all the same. Is that better? All right. So that's, that's sort of the uh, newcomer's guide to, to Utah. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic place. Um, we're here. Um, no one's ever bothered us. Um, I got a bottle of water in front of me. What do you got in that? It's really easy to be edgy. I love that because I don't have to be really crazy, but I'm still edgy. Yeah. Well, you can be, you can be a Democrat here uh, and be like really edgy and avant-garde. You know, all, all it took for me to be edgy was to be a molecular biologist. Oh, there's a few places that's really edgy. Vote for a Democrat. You know, um, or go to and a all museum. the traveling I do, people are always uh, really surprised that Salt Lake City is a blue city and that the rest of the state is red, that we actually have a Democratic mayor that, you know, like we talked about being gay friendly, that uh, there's a lot of vegans, you know, there's uh, a lot of bike riding hipsters. I don't know. The, the, the city of, uh, of Salt Lake is very blue and I find that people are really shocked to find that out. 
And yeah. The other so. thing I would just say, if if you are into the outdoors and you alluded to this before, you can't, you literally can't beat Utah. I've, I've, trust me, I've looked because I want to find an excuse to move somewhere else, but I like the outdoors and I cannot find somewhere. Pick any direction, travel for two hours, completely different outdoor opportunities. Yeah, and the, and the Mormons really are fairly easy to um, manage, and and like I say, they they pretty much keep to their own and. Um, They'll 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 leave you alone, and, and they um, usually don't have late night loud parties. No, they don't. They don't, and, and, and they usually Mormon, don't complain too much when you do. The one other thing I want to say, because I know a lot of people get offended about this, it is Mormon culture to eat and leave. Um, um, so, um, uh, I Mormons don't eat like. The restaurants have high turnover. Like if they tell you there's a long wait, you don't. If you're in Paris, believe them. If you're in Salt Lake City, you can just wait because they're, they're going to cycle through the. Fit. They sit down, they eat, and they go. They don't. They don't. They, so if you go to a Mormon party, don't be surprised that five minutes after dessert, everybody goes home. All right. Speaking of going home, um, I think we're done. Any last thoughts? Uh, we need more of you here. Please do not hesitate to come to Utah. It's it's one of those things. All I'd want to say is. Utah becomes a more and more awesome place to live every year, and I grew up here, so I think I could comment on it. So keep coming. We need you. And I genuinely love Salt Lake City. I absolutely love it. I love living here. I I like to describe Salt Lake City proper as it's almost like a mini Seattle in a lot of ways with the culture and what you can do here. So maybe not as douchey. Yes. And where you have a really strong culture, you typically have a really strong counterculture. Yes, this is all true. All right. Well, thanks for listening. You can uh, check out the website over at mormonexpression.com and see what things are going on there. And, of course, oh, shout out to our parent company, uh, Whitefields Educational, usually lots of great um, uh, counseling and other educational services for those who are transitioning away from churches like the Mormon Church. Thanks, everybody. Good night. The Mormon Expression Podcast is recorded live before a studio audience in Salt Lake City on Tuesday nights at 6.30. Come down and join the audience, take part in the podcast, and meet John and the panelists. The Mormon Expression Podcast is produced by the Whitefields Educational Foundation. Visit us online at whitefieldseducational.org to find out about our counseling services and other special events. 